morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the CEO of Collecti Lab, Selman G, joining us on this Friday. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And Billy, the chart analysis expert, is joining us. So I'm very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Jamie Dimon called crypto a waste of time on CNBC yesterday, doubling down on his take that this inflated Ponzi scheme is destined to fail. The Stellar Foundation was chosen by the CFTC to oversee blockchain development in the United States yesterday. Could this be the year of American adoption for our second favorite crypto? Ripple CEO stated there's almost no chance that his company settles with the SEC as the World Economic Forum is preparing to enter the metaverse telling the world that this is the decade of digital transformation. A new study reveals that 64% of American crypto investors enter this market with no research at all. And with the climate change agenda in full effect this week, we break down the details, showing our listeners several new videos from Davos, explaining how this is the decade that finance changes forever. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So no, that is not Johnny Crypto or Andrew Tate, my friends. That is Selma G joining us on this Friday. Very excited to have you, Selma. How you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Hey, you guys are always saying good morning, but I need to pretty much uh, say good evening as well for my European and Asian friends joining uh, the live stream. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. I'm super hyped. Uh, we got great news updates for you uh, prepared. And it's finally the weekend, right? Uh, right around the corner. So happy Friday to all of you. And can't wait. Can't wait to thank you, Abs, for having me. Gonzo, I'm excited to have you in the building this morning because not only is everybody talking about Davos and the Ripple development taking place this week, we've got China launching a central bank digital currency. So we got to talk some Ethereum smart contracts. Before we do that, how you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. I'm feeling outstanding. I'm super excited to be here. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Selman and I uh, just got off our Zoom call like for the Warrior Academy. There's a Monday and Wednesday, Friday morning call where we talk about market updates and and Selman goes over the charts and stuff. So just feeling full of energy. It's Friday. It's going to be a great show. Uh, You know, I hadn't seen Selman in a while, so it's good to see you, bro. Love you. And then anytime that I get to be with my brother, Billy, you know, it's going to get spicy. You know what we call this? We call this Conspiracy Theory Friday, and we brought the heat this morning, Billy. Always happy to have you on the show. How you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. Ah, uh, mute button, Billy. My bad. It's always good to be with the fellas, man. Anytime I can be with y'all, uh, it's always a good day. It's nice to, to throw in a little spice every now and then, you know, chop it up, get everybody in their feelings a little bit and kind of ask some hard questions, see the truth every now and then. And uh, yeah, man, just to have fun. Hey, I have one question. Does the C stand for conspiracies today, Abs? That's a little insight into what we're going to talk about later in the episode. It either stands for conspiracy or carbon credits, but we're going to dive into that later in the episode. We're going to start the show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index has climbed back into the neutral range, Gonzo. And this is some pretty exciting news. We always say this could be an opportunity to sell when the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index gets high, but I don't believe that to be the situation today. Do you have any comments on the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index sitting at a neutral 51? Um, You know, not really. I mean, you definitely feel like the sentiment has changed, right? We were always like in max fear and fear, and that's definitely changing, right? You know, I always like kind of depend on the charts or rely on the charts and just watching to see what Bitcoin does, right? Um, Ultimately, I'm looking at 19.5. That's where the 200-day moving average is. We're going to retest that. Now, whether we kind of continue to build structure and kind of build a a a bullish flag pattern and go back up to 2325 and then come down. But at some point we're going to come down and we're going to retest that 19.5. And that's kind of what I'm waiting for so that I can continue to dollar cost average into the altcoins because it'll pull them back. Thank you, Gonzo. And we're going to show our listeners a video of Jamie Dimon criticizing Bitcoin, calling it a centralized Ponzi scheme. Before we get into that, we're going to check out the total coin market cap. We are sitting at $971 billion in total market cap. 
Bitcoin is 41% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. Bitcoin sitting at 21,100. Ethereum, 1,500. XRP is 39 cents. Cardano is 34 cents. Polygon, 96. And we're going to scroll down to Quan Network here. Sitting at 139 this morning. Selman G, love to get some comments from you. And then we're going to play some really interesting footage of Jamie Dimon criticizing Bitcoin. If you guys want to have it super simple, if you see fear and greed at 60 or 65, or even at 70, but like I would say 60, 65 is enough. Lock your profits, guys. Take profits. Um, we're not in in a bull market where risk appetite is everywhere. People are super greedy. No, uh, there is still inflation. People have other uh, worries. So if you see 60 or 65, trust me, uh, there is, if not you, someone else will take profits and the prices will go down again. I'm not seeing new lows, uh, but a healthy pullback maybe, but... Uh, if you haven't entered yet, wait for a good, healthy pullback. We're all waiting for it. And then we're going to um, like get in again. So do your research. But 6065, a very important fear and greed index level. Guys, we got 186 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Our good friend Johnny Crypto has on a well-earned vacation today. So sending him love and high vibrations. And Billy, we're coming to you first after the next video because we're about to show our listeners a video of the CEO of JP Morgan talking about how Bitcoin is a centralized Ponzi scheme. We're going to let the short clip play and go back to you, Billy. Here we go. What we're talking about, uh, we, we, we pretty much always have some crypto conversation with you. I'm just curious because I don't think we've talked to you since I think all that's been a waste of time. And why do you guys waste any breath of this time beyond me? Because you just think the whole thing just is, is going to zero, go to zero, it's fake. Bitcoin itself is a, is a hyped up front. It's a pet rocket back to that. Yeah, really? Of course, yeah. So what do you make? I love the comment there. He goes, we're back to that. Really? BlackRock and other firms that are, are investing in infrastructure. No, that, that, that's different. Blockchain is a is a technology ledger system that we use to move information. We've used it to do overnight repo, intraday repo. We use it to, we're going to use it. We've used it to move money. Right. So that is a ledger. That's a technology ledger type of thing that we think will be deployable. Remember, we've been talking about that, that for 12 years too, and very little has been done. So, so Billy, what I took away from that conversation is decentralized crypto is bad. Centralized cryptos are good for the industry. And JP Morgan has many connections to blockchains around the world. But two that we know of are Ethereum and Stellar. And we've got some really exciting news. We're going to connect BlackRock, Stellar, and JP Morgan later in the show. But I'd like to hear, what do you think about Bitcoin the statements that the CEO of JP Morgan's making about Bitcoin, does it feel like 2017 to you? Well, Bitcoin, everybody knows how much I love Bitcoin, but just, just think about it, all right? So but I'm going to call this a Bitcoin, right? Uh, I'm not going to tell you who made it. I'm not going to tell you how it's made or you know where the wallet is. The owner has never even opened the wallet. We don't know who he is, but I want you to invest all your money in it, and it's going to go up in value because people mine it, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't know anything, right? So you're just, are you going to invest in it? But it doesn't do anything. Let me, let me remind you that it doesn't do a fucking thing. Right. It just sits there. As a matter of fact, you could put a dollar in here and both of them are going to be just as worthless together. So that that's the thing. People get locked up in, in when they say crypto, they automatically think Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is Bitcoin has become the, the crypto name. I guess you could say when people talk about Bitcoin, they think crypto overall, but I know it's a store of value and that's what, people want to put in but think about it does it do anything and at the end of the day can it be pulled out on you um if it doesn't serve a utility or a purpose for me for what i buy and what i do i can't i can't mess with it i can't understand it i don't know that it does anything hence why i love all the other coins and the utility coins i just i, I agree i think bitcoin is a ponzi scheme you look at everything that's going on with madoff the market uh ftx you really going to trust a name Satoshi Nakamoto, when you look it up, means central intelligence. You don't know who it is. No one knows who it is. And his wallet's never been open. There's just too much, too many questions out there, man, for me to, to not think it's a, a conspiracy or, or a Ponzi. And Selman, I'd love to get some of your comments here. I think this new article we found yesterday, is, it plays perfectly into what Jamie Dimon is stating here. 64% of Americans invest in crypto without doing any research at all. So it's clips like this from Jamie Dimon that actually impact the everyday retail investor. If they hear the CEO of one of the most powerful companies on the planet is calling Bitcoin a decentralized Ponzi scheme, they're going to take him at his word. So I'd love to you to just have the open floor here. Where do you think we are? The fact that 64% of Americans do not do research before investing in crypto. 
Now, uh, Jim Cramer or Jamie Dimon, all these people on TV, whenever they give any uh, like negative comments, um, I believe, yes, people above 40, 50, 60, they will believe in them because they, they are coming from a generation where, um, and unfortunately, the youth right now, some of them will also um, become part of it in the future where, you know, they just believe what institutional, like these big guys, right, tell them because they always say the truth, tell the truth, right? But then, um, but right now, the, the younger generation, our generation apps, um, we use TikTok, we use social media, YouTube, all of that, and we, we get a different information and we realize, man, uh, governments or these elites um tell us one thing but then the opposite happens all the time or they do the opposite and we're questioning now our generation has started to question more especially since 2020 right um we question more and so i believe the younger kids um they they don't listen to jamie diamond they don't care what he says we our inform our um source is different we um we believe in crypto we believe in technology and actually coming back to the video um for example rolex watch um is highly valuable right very expensive but someone who doesn't care about watches for him it's a hype like it's a fraud it's like you know they're scamming people why is a watch so expensive it, it could be like like uh, it does the same job as any other watch right just tell you the time that's it but then you realize there is a group that values that watch and they see real value in that watch and this is why there is demand and always going to be uh will be and um and the price goes up right and this is why i believe bitcoin is the same like my grandma my grandpa doesn't care about bitcoin it's valueless for them but for us there is value. We we want a decentralized uh, environment and we want a currency that we can easily and super, um, you know, um, an incredible fat, incredible speed. We want to transfer uh, wealth, right? And, and money. And uh, this is why it, it has value for me. And I think there are millions of people that agree with me. And, and this is why Bitcoin is not going to be a Ponzi. Bitcoin is going to pump because there is a real utility, real use case for my grandpa. It's valueless. It, it makes sense. And so this is why Jamie Dimon's comment is definitely doesn't have any, any um, like, I don't care at all what he's saying. It, it doesn't make any sense. Let me, can, let me, can I go back to that? So even back to the Rolex thing, I, I look at currency as an overall. Let's take let's take crypto as a, a watch market. Right. Um, and you have Rolexes in there and uh, you have tag hours, you have the Bentley watches, you have all those. But you also have fake ones in there, too. And the market for fake watches is just as prevalent for the market of the real one. So that's what I kind of look at um, the crypto overall. So like, and just my opinion, I'm not throwing shade on any kind of Bitcoin holders or anything like that. It's just something that I don't agree with. And this, I'm just trying to give you a view. When you say uh, Rolexes and stuff, this is kind of what I thought. The market overall is the watches, right? Each, each crypto represents that watch in a function, but you have other cryptos and other watches, like you said, that can come in and be fake. Uh, act like they should, but not be true. If that makes any sense. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. And Gonzo, no. before I kick it to you, I want to remind people in 2017, Jamie Dimon was telling them, if you buy Bitcoin, we will fire you from our company. At the same time, he was actually purchasing those assets and working on building smart contracts on Ethereum. So that's a, just another prime example of doing one thing and saying another, but I'd like to get some closing remarks. How do you feel about Jamie Dimon calling Bitcoin a centralized Ponzi scheme that's destined to fail? Yeah, so he's you know he's incentivized to not right uh, to not back up Bitcoin right because of what it represents and what it can do right he he is incentivized because he's a banker but you're right Abs like you know in 2017 he said he was going to fire people then shortly after that when it was at all time high he said that he was wrong so he's gone back and forth and then what happened the price corrected and went down right then he said it was a scam right now it's a pet rock all of that stuff but I mean it's all risk reward, right? And that's what's great about this space is that if you do your research, then you can make the decision for yourself, right? When you look at Bitcoin, it has the same traits as a store of value, right? There's a cap supply, it's decentralized, right? There's a network, right? It's proof of work. But like what Billy talks about is Satoshi's wallet. It hasn't been activated in years, right? There's a certain amount of supply that's in there that if that wallet ever got activated, and got dumped on the open market, it would be bad for them, right? 
um, when he talks about like he, he made a whole comment about, you know, well, how do you know it's cap supply? What if at the end, uh, you know, a picture of Satoshi comes up and, and, and they can make more. And that's lame, right? That, that's stupid as hell because that can't happen, right? Now, that doesn't mean that when they get the 21 million, and that's going to be like in 140 years, that the developers cannot vote, right? Because at some point, there is an argument about Bitcoin, and I brought this up before, where when they stop being able to mine it, what is going to incentivize the miners to continue to secure the network, right? And so there has to be a discussion of what what's going to happen. And so they can they can change the inflation rate, right? So they can vote as long as they have more than 51%. I don't think they will, right? And it's still 140 years away. We'll all be long and dead, right? But it can be changed if they vote on it and as all the developers decide to add to it. Um, I don't think they will. We don't have to worry about it right now, right? Uh, because we'll all be long, uh, we'll be gone by then. Uh, but I mean, that's the great thing about the space is that, you know, you can choose to invest in what you want to invest in. Right. And, and then make decisions for yourself. And Gonzo, we're going to talk about the Davos meeting in the World Economic Forum agenda. But we talked about their logo yesterday, clearly showing three sixes between the three zeros. And what I think is exciting is we actually had a conversation before with Billy. This is actually an indication towards the carbon narrative that they're having. Three sixes is what composites carbon. And we can see the C slicing through the logo. But before we dive into all that World Economic Forum news, we got 244 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to show you a video of Brad Garlinghouse stating over 50% of transactions on RippleNet. Well, they're currently running on the XRPL. The SEC sued us uh, around the question of is XRP a security at the end of 2020? And I'll admit, the, the beginning of 2021 was a, a stressful, Q1 was a stressful quarter for sure, because you now have a lawsuit uh, in the largest economy in the world, and you didn't know how your existing customers would react, let alone new customers. And what we have seen since then, it, it particularly non-U.S., you know, well over 95% of the customers we've signed in the last two years are non-U.S. Uh, our activity is growing more and more outside the United States, and it's because you have this confusion in the United States. So... We're now processing billions of dollars of transactions every quarter, uh, and you know, well over half of our total transaction volume. Because we do have a fiat and XRP-enabled product called on-demand liquidity. Over half of all of our transactions go through XRP now. That has grown, and so again, we're continuing to sign more contracts, more customers, and the co contracts and customers we have have grown partly because we open more corridors, more currency pairs. And so there's a kind of a, a, a nice series of building uh, a very positive virtuous cycle that Gonzo, there's a lot of great art or there's a lot of great statements in that clip, but a couple of things that stuck out to me, RippleNet is currently facilitating over half of their transactions using fiat currency. And we know at some point hundred percent is going to be blockchain. Could that be a massive catalyst for growth? But the other thing that stuck out to me, he said 95% of their clients they signed have been outside the United States. Who are the 5% that we're signing when the SEC lawsuit's going on? That's another question that stuck out to me. But what did you notice during this clip, Gonzo? And what's it mean to you that 50% of on-demand liquidity is currently running through the XRPL? Yeah, I, you know, I think that number is going to continue to grow, right? Like Brad's already said this, you know, when the SEC lawsuit happened, they went about their business. They acted as if they had lost the lawsuit and they continue to build the partnerships and build the use case for, um, the, you know, for XRP and the XRP. PL and on-demand liquidity, you can see how they've kind of consolidated where will RippleNet and all of the other products that they offered kind of consolidated into one thing, right? Which is the on-demand liquidity. And so um, they're just kind of waiting, like he says, uh, you know, we talked about this before with B of A. I think B of A is just kind of waiting on the, in the wings, waiting to see what happens with the SEC lawsuit. Um, but these guys are going to continue to build partnerships regardless of what happens in the United States right? Ripple is a company. They're going to continue to move on in the rest of the world, right? Because the rest of the world has said that XRP is a currency. It's only in the U.S. that we've had issues. And I believe that we've had issues is because the banks still haven't figured out how to make money with it. So they're trying to slow it down, right? They're trying to catch it up. They're trying to play catch up so they can figure out how can we control this? How can we can manipulate this, whether it's through fees or whatever, so that they can continue to make money because they're going to lose money. Because if you look at banks, a lot of the money they make is through fees, right? Um, and it, I, I think it goes like going back to the Bitcoin conversation and Billy and how we could have this conversation. 
a lot of people, we love XRP, right? Most of us would say it's our number one holding, but a lot of people look down on us, right? Because they say it's the banker coin or that Brad Garlinghouse is working with the WEF. And, you know, and so because of that, um, you know, people don't like XRP or they don't like what it represents. But you know what? It, at the end of the day, we're here to change uh, our lives and the lives of our families and to make money, right? And so I'm going to look for the assets, right? That does that the best. And when I say family, I don't just mean my immediate family. I mean, all of you and the warrior Academy, right? That's why we're here. We're here to help people and kind of shift them into the new financial system. Doesn't it, doesn't it almost feel like, uh, you're getting ushered in either way. So yeah. even, even if you like on my side, even if I don't believe in Bitcoin, I understand it. And I understand the principle behind it. It's a, it's, you know, they, they don't have control, but if we don't have transparency in it, and we know that all the conspiracies, just like we talk about, is true. They could have control of both sides either way and be pushing us to something. You know, do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I mean, in the like Waters Above talks about this all the time. I mean, don't get it twisted, right? It's blockchain. It's in the exactly. it's in the name. It's it chains, right? In the end, the, the end game, whether through CBDC or another cryptocurrency or a platform, whatever it is, it's to get control, right? And we're going to hand it over gladly. So the only difference is, are we going to be able to make money or to change or become wealthy and change our lives so that we have decisions to make? And if we don't like the way we're being treated in this country or wherever you are, you can go somewhere else and you can live the way that you want to live. That's the whole point, right? But it's not like we're sitting here like, you know, hey, blockchain technology is going to save the world, right? It's going to be adopted, but in the end, like it's there as a, as, as a measure of control, right? It's a ledger. Everything is going to be on there. They'll be able to track everything. Right? Well, then, and this I'd love to have a broader conversation here about the World Economic Forum and the role that Ripple is playing. Elon Musk actually tweeted, the World Economic Forum is increasingly becoming the unelected world government. The people never asked for and don't want. I couldn't agree more because of the fear mongering they constantly use to push whatever agenda they're promoting. Could be climate change, could be the C-19 crisis, we're about to show you another video where they're stating this is the time where humans need to worry about extinction. So, Billy, this is the fear mongering that the World Economic Forum is known for. We're going to let the short clip play and go right back to you. Here we go. Dear friends, scientifically, this is not a climate crisis. We are now facing something deeper. Mass extinction, air pollution, undermining ecosystem functions, really putting humanity's future at risk. This is a planetary crisis. This is a safety crisis, but above all, it is also a justice crisis. Many areas in the world are uninhabitable. This uninhabitable zone is increasing. If we continue with our greenhouse gas emissions, then by 2070, as many as 3 billion people will live in uninhabitable zones. Billy, can you believe it? Not only is there several crises going on, but there's a depopulation narrative. We can take this a bunch of different directions, so I'm going to give you the open floor. How do you feel about the World Economic Forum shifting away from the C-19 crisis and using climate change to take control of the general public? It's all trigger words, man. It's all to touch you and your feelings and what you've been told your whole life. You're to be a good person. You're just to be a calm person. Sit there, shut up, take the information in. Don't question it. Don't say anything. Um this this is just insane, bro. You know what? If they really want to make a change in the world and you care about carbon, you care about footprints and all these protesters, take your ass to China, bro. Take your ass to India where the output is really like 33%. Because if we was to go neutral, everything green, we wouldn't change the world. It still continue doing exactly what it's doing. So we're going to end our way of life and our children's life to not be able to change anything because all these people right here, like these ain't men, Brand, this, I don't know what this dude is, but this this, this is a punk, man. Uh, they're going to do all this to, to just take control, bro. It's it's just all bullshit. It's all bullshit. The, the earth and the world has changed so many times, and, and we can't be scared to live our lives because other people throw these words at us. Like, what, what does it feel to your core, man? And I'm, dude, fuck these people. 
Billy, you know what sticks out to me? I'm old enough to remember back in 2010, 2011, when they were telling us we have 10 years before Miami and New York are underwater. Now they've moved that deadline 50 years. Now they're saying we have until 2070, but those cities are still going to be underwater. To me, it's a clear narrative of fear. But Gonzo, I want to get some of your context. How do you feel about Elon Musk's statements that this is the unelected government we never asked for and the fact that they're always using fear to push us in a certain direction? Yeah, he's right, right? Because, uh, you know, they, they understand the mechanism of, of human nature and people don't go willingly. So what they do is they create that fear to push narratives, right? To, to make you want what they're offering, right? The whole thing with the Patriot Act, right? After 9-11, they jumped on that and we lost a lot of our freedoms that was within the Patriot Act and we did it willingly, right? We did all these things willingly and that's what ends up happening. It's wild, like, what she's saying, she's basically saying that there are more and more places on the earth where we can't live that they're like in like, what, is there no oxygen? Is there no water? Like, can you not like just walk around? I mean, it, it's, it's wild as hell, like this whole narrative that they push, but like, like I live in California. Right. And so like you, this whole, and I'm not saying whether I believe in climate change or not, or whether you do or not, or not, I'm just telling you what my life experience is. Right. And, and coach has been talking about this, how we're getting smashed with weather, right? And they're pushing that climate change narrative. Well, I remember it's just El Nino, right? It happens every, like, I don't know if it's eight years or nine years, but El Nino comes up the coast and we get shit ton of rain and we get flooding. It happened when I was a little kid. I remember I was like 10, 12 years old. We had flooding, all kinds of stuff. It happened again, I think in my twenties, thirties, and now I'm in my late forties and, and we're doing it again. It's just cycles. Everything is cycles, right? Nature is cycles. But they jump onto that narrative and they feed that fear right down our throat, right? Yeah. And we got some great video prepared for our listeners. We're going to show you a brand new interview from Davos. This happened less than 24 hours ago. Brad Garlinghouse discussing the future of digital finance. But uh, Selman, I'd like to get some quick remarks from you. The World Economic Forum always uses the agenda of fear to push us in a certain direction. But it's important to know where they want us to go. They want us to go towards centralized currencies. They want us to be guilty for our carbon emissions. We know that's what's coming. So what can we do to prepare ourselves for this inevitable change, Selman? The best, the only way to um, fight back is turn off your computer, turn off your TV. Literally, don't listen to them. Don't listen to news. Literally, uh, yesterday I was talking about this. Um, two years ago, when you, I, I think it was pretty much everywhere, but in Germany, when you went to YouTube, literally, they're like on your timeline. The, you've seen C. The, the the C news everywhere, right? And then all of a sudden, last year March, like February March, the Russia and Ukraine invasion, right? What happened? All of them gone after two years. No more C word. I don't know about America, but here, like it was C word everywhere, right? More socialist country. And then what happened? Boom! It was only Russia, Russia, Russia is terrible, horrible, blah blah blah. And everybody forgot about C the C word. And it was all about Russia. Oh God, we need to buy gas. Like we, we need to find some, uh, like we, we need to do something right now. It was always fear. And now literally even my uh, aunts, all of them bought like these, um, these cans, like, like gas cans. Right. And uh, now we're like, okay, what are we going to do about it? Because we, we have gas. Russia is, or, or like Germany is buying gas from somewhere. And I was always like, hey, it's just creating, they're creating fear all the time. Have you ever seen the news giving just happy, beautiful news updates? No, of course not. And and just like um, Billy said, tr the, these trigger words like crisis, they, they, um, they tell you that all the time um, because you become what you think about most of the time, right? And um and when you think about crisis and you think about negativity, you attract that. And they want you to think of that nonstop. But if you turn off your computer or your TV and um, and just read books and educate yourself, trust me, you're going to be a powerful machine, powerful like human being, and nobody can stop you. It's just you need to think of the things you want to attract, right? You, 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 you become what you think about most of the time. And if you focus on the negative things all the time, and this is what they want, you become a kind of like a, you know, a slave society, you become a slave. And um, 
slave to their rhythm, basically, right? And unfortunately, that is um, the, the 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 point. And after the sea crisis, right, the sea word when it happened, I literally stopped watching news, and I became so happy. My, I'm so happy. I don't care what happens out there, right? I'm trying to build my own wealth. I try to build something for my family and um, and help others as well. But it starts when you turn off that TV. I'm telling you, crazy things happen. Selman, and I think it's a prime example of problem, reaction, solution. They're creating the problem to roll out the solution. That is going to be the reaction. But we got 271 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to show you the most important video of the day. This is Brad Garlinghouse talking about the future of digital finance and Ripple's more important role. Brad, you have already made the distinction between XRP, the token, and Ripple, the company. You are the only, you're, you're a regulated entity, or you're speaking on behalf of a regulated entity. When folks talk about, you know, these different sorts of provisions, you are the person or your various teams doing the paperwork, providing evidence of baseline trustworthiness. What it, What is it like to be a non-bank financial services pro- provider operating at the intersection of these very traditionally regulated financial institutions and less traditionally regulated, less traditional financial institutions? It's exciting. Uh, I, like, I feel a obligation to you know advocate for the, you know, these new technologies that we can use for the betterment of economic value to our citizens, to our businesses, even to central banks. And I think to the extent we can focus on, hey, these are new technologies that can be used in that way. Like the earliest days of the internet, uh, can these technologies be used in illicit ways? Yes, and certainly we saw the early days of the internet and people called for bans of the and internet. And the current days of the internet as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. Although <laughs> there was a much louder, uh, higher decibel level call that in maybe the 90s when people were I think, more intimidated by how these technologies are being used. And I think we're seeing that play out in the world of blockchain as well. Before I play the remainder of this clip, it reminded me of a quote we heard from Bill Gates last week. He said that when the internet was first created, people massively overvalued what it could do in five years, but undervalued the impact it could have in 10. That's exactly what Brad Garlinghouse is hinting at here. The regulation, the lack of regulation in the United States, it's hindering the short-term growth, but inevitably these solutions, these products, they're going to dominate these markets and it's just a waiting game. I'd like to get some comments from somebody in the group. Selman, do you have any comments on Brad Garlinghouse statements that it's not a matter of when, or sorry, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when these assets are adopted. Um, actually, I can't say much because, you know, we talked a lot about this and it we certainly see the changes, right? But it happens slowly and methodically. And I so I believe um, um, within the next few years, people will like, people won't be even realizing like, man, how did that happen? Like it happened instantly, but they won't see that transition because it's like uh, very smooth and and slowly happening. And we don't really uh, realize, right? But like anytime soon, like within the next years, you're going to see how the whole global economy is switching and transitioning from web 2.0 to web 3.0 plus the, of course, the financial system also moving from the traditional to the blockchain space and, and digitalization is going to happen rapidly. But then we're going to watch our um, old videos like from t- like Good Morning Crypto in two years or three years. We're going to look back. Hey, remember, guys, we talked about this two years ago, man, how time flies and what happened in the, in the you know, two years. It, it's just going to be insane. So we're, we're actually writing history now and recording it. For the future, it's it's insane. Billy, I heard a fascinating quote yesterday. It said, how much would you pay for 20,000 hours of your great-grandfather's life on film? That's exactly what we're doing here today. The people in 20, 25, 40, 50 years, they're going to be able to look at us and say, oh my God, look at how young and handsome my grandfather was 55 years ago. But I just think it's amazing. This is the first time ever that our relatives, if I could see my grandfather and what he was doing in 1930, I would be watching those clips all day trying to figure out where I came from, but I wanted to get some thoughts from you here. How do you feel about Brad Garlinghouse statements as well as what I just said? This is the first time ever we're going to have recorded history. You know, this is one of those things where this is where I like the utility of it because I can understand it, right? I can understand where it can go. I see needs in the real world that it can solve. I don't know, you know, how many of you have ever, I'll tell you what, take a large sum of cash. Gonzo, tell me if I'm lying. Take a large sum of cash and drive across the country and see if you don't get it taken at some point in time by someone in law enforcement. 
You can't do it, bro. You can't do it. If you can't tell them why you have that large sum of money, you ain't moving it. And then you try to go to Walmart even and try to move money, you know, large sums of money like that. If you've ever tried to move money, I used to travel around the United States a lot. So sometimes I had to move money around. It is difficult, man. And then it takes a couple days, et cetera, et cetera. So having to go through these, understanding that I can move large sums of money very cheap and not have to deal with people was a game changer. I understood it. Like, wow, that makes sense. And then like if you're sitting in an investment and you have Sam Bateman Freed in front of you and you have Brad Garlinghouse in front of you and you're thinking, all right, who would I rather invest in? Who who do I think is going to get the job done? Man, come on, man. Like, seriously, we, that's not even a discussion to have. So when you understand who he is and what he does, then you look at the relationships he has. Look where he's at right now. Right. Look at the partnerships that he has. And then that tells you uh, how many times have we really like won against the government. Right. Like how many times we've we taken over the currency and done all that. That's what makes me even more stay away from Bitcoin and stuff like that, because I feel like we're all going to be enslaved. They tell us you're going to own nothing. You're going to love it. And that even more makes me think that what he's saying with his relationships and everything they put together, that's what it's going to. So that's that's why I go in. Gonzo, and we're going to come to you for some closing comments there, but I want to play the remainder of this video. We got 281 live listeners joining us on this Friday. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to let the remainder of this play and go to Gonzo. Here we go, my friends. I thought it was interesting you described the UAE uh, regulatory as light touch. So you described as light touch. Oh, described as light touch. All right. I, I actually give huge credit to the UAE. Do you have a law license? No, we do not. Although uh, we might, I don't know the exact answer to that, but... We do not currently. The point I would make, though, is... You do not. Thank you. <laughs> the Cut. point I would make, though, is the UAE has done the work to codify what the regulations are. I think the challenge, you know, and we discussed this before we got up here, I think the vast majority of players in the crypto space want to be good actors. But I think we have to be clear about what that means. And I think one of the challenges is, and I very much agreed with something the commissioner said, we talk about regulating crypto... I think we should, that's an abstract thing to say to from my point of view. We need to regulate the, the activity. But what is it that we're doing? So Ripple is in the business around cross-border payments. Our customers are banks. Our customers are regulated institutions. You can't have a non-KYC, know your customer transaction, et cetera. Uh, there are lots of regulations around payments, like know your customer, like AML, anti-money laundering, like... OFAC compliance in the United States, et cetera, anti-terrorism finance. So I, I think when we say crypto is not regulated, I hear that. And I think, I don't know what that means. Like Ripple is a very regulated company in lots of different jurisdictions, not yet in UAE perhaps. Uh, although I don't think we, I don't know the exact status in UAE. Uh, the, the point as much as anything, I think it's a misnomer to s describe crypto as an unregulated business. In the U.S., you have the SEC, someone in the chair saying it's the Wild West. So now we get into a discussion about whether the SEC is handling this market and the regulation of this market correctly. But Gonzo, he made some great statements there. One of the things he, he hinted at was that because there's regulation outside of the United States, it hasn't stopped the adoption of RippleNet around the world, but it has hindered specific growth within our borders. So I'd like to get some comments from you. How do you feel about those statements from Brad Garlinghouse, specifically addressing the lack of regulation in America, but there is regulation outside of the United States? Yeah, you know, he, he's spot on, right? They're, they are able to flourish and, and they're able to uh, expand and, and apply all the ODL technology in other countries because they have clarity, right? We, we talk about this all the time where the SEC has been regulating through enforcement. That's like you're driving down the street and then you get pulled over and they say, we're going to put a stop sign there uh, next week, but we're going to write you a ticket now, right? So there are no guidelines and so that's always been the fight. And that's the clarity that we're going to get when this lawsuit is over. But I do agree with Brad Garlinghouse and what he's talking about where we could go with the technology, right? Um, as far as uh, the tokenization of assets, the tokenization of the financial world, right? The stock market being tokenized. Now, it, it's up to discussion on where we eventually do that on. Is it Ethereum? Because they are able to do all of the upgrades and the scaling. Is it X? Is it the XRPL? Is it Cardano, right? We don't know which one that's going to be, but it's going to happen. 
when we talk about shipping and receiving, taking that to the blockchain, because it's just more efficient. It just works better. Well, Gonzo, um, here, I'm going to kick this right back to you. But one of the things that stuck out to me in this clip, and we showed this video yesterday, Brad Garlinghouse met independently. We're talking about him as an individual. He met with the SEC three times before the lawsuit was filed. And there's a 30-month investigation that's been going on with the XRPL. And they can't definitively say it's a security even after 30 months of investigation. So after all that taken into account, it tells me that if I was a crypto project operating in the United States, I would let someone else go and work with the SEC. There's almost no chance that I would walk into their office and willingly tell them how we're operating because I know that my words can be used against me. I'd like to get some of your thoughts there. Oh, yeah. You know, 100%. Look what happened at Coinbase, right? Coinbase is a publicly traded company, and they were trying to do the right thing. And they went in to talk to the SEC, and they shut down their earned program. Meanwhile, you had um, Gemini and Genesis that were running their earned program. Now, if they really thought it was an issue and they shut down Coinbase, then they should have gone to Gemini and they should have shut that down back then. Now, remember that was in the middle of the bull run now. So those, those customers could have been protected, which is the sec's job. And they could have gotten their assets out. Instead, they wait until we're like in the middle of a bear market when there's no liquidity. And now they sue them when, you know, they can't get anything out of it when everything's frozen. I mean, it's just asinine the way they do things. And, and, and they've shown that when you go in and you work with them, and I think Ripple was the biggest case, right? Um, that if Ooh, you go that was in and to work with them, all they're going to do, uh, I know I pulled to Johnny since Johnny wasn't here, right? My phone ringing. But, you know, anyways, so yeah, it's not the way to do things. Uh, regulation by enforcement. They're, they're there to protect us. They have a job to do, but they should be setting guidelines so that they know what rules to follow and they can stay within those rules not waiting for them to like build out and then eight years later come out and say, oh, what you did was against the law. And then, you know, they sue them, but they do that for a reason. They don't make definitive lines because they want to be able to sue whoever they want to either. You can't pull people over for speeding if there's a speed limit, right? It's like they're on a road right now and they're not telling anybody how fast they should be moving, but they're pulling people over based on the color of their car. Like it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. They do it it every day. Like look how many people they remove off the internet just because they said something, you know, years, 20 years ago or something like that. It's just carrying over, man. It's the same thing. And that's a dangerous idea when you think about how we're talking about for the first time ever, all history is going to be recorded. We've done over 200 shows, and I'm sure I've said some things that I may regret. We got 287 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to play the remainder of this clip of Brad Garlinghouse discussing the SEC and crypto regulation. Look, there are clearly examples where that's true, but there are a lot of people doing solving real problems for real customers and taking the air and the froth out of the hype and speculative bubble that really was true in crypto, I think is really healthy. I think one of the challenges here is there are actually very few people describing crypto as an unregulated business. What they're saying is that it is insufficiently regulated and that there are certain types of activities, you know, separate out the obvious and egregious fraud, scram- fraud scams and grift. But there are certain types of ex- activities that are either being presented to customers as potentially safer than they are, or, you know, the, the promise of guaranteed returns when there are no such thing. Or in the U.S., for instance, um, many investors in certain of these crypto companies, several of which have now gone bankrupt, were under the impression that their deposits were insured by the FDIC, which is like up to $250,000 of whatever the deposits were would be protected. And that was an impression that was in a lot of ways encouraged by the marketing and the advertising of certain types of these entities. But we have laws about that, right? And, and, and now, oh, frankly, I think instead of going after Kim Kardashian for promoting a- That case was dismissed. I didn't actually know that. Uh, I, I think that we- Irrelevant. It, the, the things you're describing, and even we talked to again backstage, like if there's fraud, we have laws about that in major jurisdictions. But I think what I would love to get the perspective of the commission on is And that's pretty much the whole clip there. I did not realize that it paused at that awkward part. But what I do want to point out is what's up with this interviewer? It seems like she has some animosity towards Brad Garlinghouse. Whether that case was dismissed or not, that's beside the point. They they were prosecuting Kim Kardashian while FTX was out there stealing billions of dollars from the everyday consumer. 
But I'm getting some message in my ear. The CEO of Merlin's reaching out. We're about to show you the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for early access for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched this fall. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Guys, the smartest way to track your cryptocurrency is going to become much more important during a bull market. But we only got about 15 minutes left, so we're going to go rapid fire here, Gonzo. I know that you love the rapid fire rounds. We're going to dive into some Polygon news because Polygon is one of these brands that has fully endorsed NFT adoption. And they've got some of the largest partnerships in the space, working with companies like Starbucks, Nike, Reddit, Meta, DraftKings, and even Disney's Accelerator program. So this is pretty exciting news. And we got an exciting statement from Disney's co-founder, a man who took the company from $48 billion to $257 billion in total market cap. He said, I think you're going to see an explosion of things being created, traded, and collected in NFTs. So Billy, I'd love to get some quick remarks from you. How do you feel about Polygon's development and the fact that they're working with some of the largest companies on the planet? Man, the, the NFT game is going to change a lot of things. Just, I mean, think about it. Even with Disney, if you go into a park, think you won't have to buy tickets. You'll show your NFT to get into certain rides. If you want a guest pass to get into something. I mean, just think how much time that's going to save them as a company, uh, overhead and, you know, things like that. It's, if you can just understand the things that it can bring, this is huge. And the partners that they have, who else do they have on that? Uh, da, 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 what was the other so one? they had Meta, Starbucks, yeah. Nike, Reddit, DraftKings, and Disney. Dude, I mean, just think of the possibilities, the the community that comes with those, just like with uh, our NFTs and the community that comes with it. The access that it gives you, that allows you, allows them access to their customers on more personal levels and uh, more membership levels is what it says to me. Billy, one of the things that sticks out to me in this article is the fact that the Disney CEO is stating that they are going to start releasing collectible products only using NFTs in the future. And we know that they're partnered with Polygon. That could push massive amounts of liquidity onto this blockchain. Gonzo, we're about to break down an article talking about central bank digital currencies and Ethereum connections. But how do you feel about this Polygon news and the fact that the largest companies on the planet are willing to work on this blockchain? Yeah, you know, when you look at Maddox's uh, business partnership team, they are next level. I mean, during this bear market, they have absolutely built um, relationships with the right kind of companies. And so um, I, I think this goes to a narrative going into the next cycle, which is going to be layer twos, right? Polygon is just at the top of that list. Because when you add, I mean, the NFTs is just part of it, right? There's a whole tech side of it with their ZK EVM technology, which is the scaling solution for Ethereum. Um, they're really, they're, they're just going to, they're going to scale more. They're going to get faster, right? And so they're going to be able to process more of these NFTs. Because when you're talking about Disney, you're talking about huge NFT collections, right? We're not talking about, usually you see 10,000. You're going to have to be able to scale at, at, at large. And so they're building the tech on that side to be able to do that. So yeah, Polygon is next level, but don't sleep on the other layer twos, whether it's Optimism, Loopring, um, uh, uh, IX, uh, what is it? Um, the one that- um, I'm not that, sure. That's partner with Olivia. IXM, what is it? I mean, immu uh, Immutable X. Immutable X, sorry, Immutable X in the gaming space, right? Uh, but like I said, top, Polygon is just the top of it, but you're going to see a lot of the layer twos do extremely well in the next bull run because of this whole narrative of having to scale Ethereum. Thank you, Gonzo. And we're about to get into our most important article for today, especially for all of our XLM holders as a Ripple rival Stellar becomes the CFTC's blockchain and digital asset advisor 
for the United States. This could be the biggest news of the week. And with everything we've covered, we've had some massive news coming. That speaks for itself. The Stellar Development Foundation will become a member of the new advisory committee to the U.S. Commodities Future and Trading Commission. The STF will be responsible for blockchain and digital assets in a relaunched body that will guide the CFTC on these issues. Issues from the Chamber of Digital officials from the uh, Chamber of Digital Commerce, Uniswap Labs, and CoFund will also be a part of this new digital economy. However, blockchain's direction will be exclusively overseen by Stellar. Now, one of the reasons this is so important is because of the large names also working in this committee. Stellar is going to be working with J.P. Morgan. Goldman Sachs and BlackRock on joining the Global Market Advisory Committee, and Stellar wants to play a particular attention to the issue of remittances and stablecoins. We could see massive adoption coming not only from this partnership, but the fact that Stellar is working with the committee that should be regulating crypto. It's some great news here, Salman. I'd love to get some thoughts from you. Hey, like um, it says Ripple rival. I don't know if Stellar is like rival. I was always thinking it was like a the, like a brother of Ripple, but um, this is great news. To be honest, we haven't heard a lot from Stellar uh, for a long time now and uh, even not really covered here on the show. So this is indeed a huge deal. And it shows you that Stellar is like, you have many, like you have Polygon, you have many different uh, layer ones and then cryptocurrencies, but Stellar is pretty much like has been silently building something, man. Uh, they are going to shape the future of blockchain technology and then shape the direction of it in the United States, the biggest economy in the world, right? So it is definitely something um, like we're probably going to hear more in the in the near future, but like that they're working with BlackRock together and JP uh, Morgan, right? That means a lot. Uh, now, I don't know much about the detail, of course, and this is brand new, um, but I can only say, um, is that going to affect the price long term? Well, if Stellar is really playing an important role and they also uh, can make sure that XLM is also integrated into that system, into that infrastructure, then why not? There is a lot of ways that liquidity can flow into XLM. Gonzo, we got about nine minutes left in the show for this week. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. While the SEC is currently suing one of the most successful blockchain companies in the industry, Ripple Labs, of course, we have the CFTC taking initiative and working with Stellar to create an environment where projects like XRP can thrive. I'd love to get some of your thoughts there. What do you think about the conflicting narratives between the CFTC and the SEC when it comes to crypto regulation? I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a positive thing for the space. And it, obviously, it's a great thing for XLM because, you know, you have one side, you have Ripple battling the SEC, and that's going to play itself out. But now we have the CFTC where we believe most of the cryptocurrencies are going to be regulated once we get regulation. And so XLM's getting ahead of it. Like someone said, it's nice to see them in the news for something positive because they're always kind of connected to Jed McCaleb. And that's always had a, like kind of a negative connotation, but they've been kind of sitting there quietly building. Remember, we had Jenna on the show last year when she talked about her NSA friend who had predicted that in the end it's going to be XLM, which it's not that far-fetched because XLM was more set up for like a peer-to-peer -peer thing, right? While XRP was more of a bank thing. So like uh, they're saying in the comments, they're more of like a uh, brother and sister. I don't really think that they're competitors. But um, I definitely have been building my position uh, in XLM. And we always talk about the king and the queen of this market. I do believe XRP is king. And hopefully one day we can say XLM is the queen. But we're going to dive into an article I think you're going to like, Gonzo. The digital one is going to start offering smart contracts. Is this the end for market leader Ethereum? China launched its smart contracts for the use of its digital one on the leading shopping application, Muton. I cannot pronounce that correctly. So Gonzo, I'm going to ask you to pronounce it and then I'll continue with the article. What is the name of this company again? Can you remind me? Is it Mutuan? Mutuan, I believe. Yeah, Mutuan. Mutuan. Either way, it's the largest e-commerce site in China. You can just consider it the Chinese Amazon. I know a lot of people think of Alibaba, but apparently this is the largest marketplace for digital commerce when it comes to China. There is a new initiative on this website where users are going to be able to sign up to receive the digital yuan and potentially be put in a raffle to earn 888,000, or sorry, 8,888 of the digital wand. So this is really interesting. They're giving out free money here and incentivizing the everyday consumer to use the digital wand instead of traditional finance. What do you believe this means for people like us, Gonzo? CBDCs are live in China. 
Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this, that when they roll out a CBDC, that's how they get people to use them, where you can, you get, you know, at the beginning, you're getting more value. So they don't want you to use your cash or the regular one, and you're going to use the digital one, and they're going to give you more for it, right? And then that, once they get everybody in, that's where the control comes in. But I mean, it, it, but it gives you a, an idea of where we can go in this country with our platforms, right? Uh, when they talk about Twitter and integrating a payment rail, right, or smart contracts, that's what these guys are trying to do. Now, are they going to be a competitor for Ethereum? Um, I don't think so. You know, Ethereum is is, is the number one um, smart contract platform. It remains to be seen if they can scale and they continue to be number one. You got to remember to all the developers and the talent that we have in Ethereum, you know, who knows what kind of talent they have making their smart contracts. But I guarantee you this it's going to get tested. Like once you bring smart contracts onto a platform, the hackers are going to test your system to make sure that it works or that, that there are no exploits. So it's going to be really interesting, the narratives that play out. But like, this is just like the evolution, right? CBDC, smart contracts, um, bringing everything into like their version of the blockchain um, is kind of where we're going. But I mean, we knew this was coming, right? I mean, that's how they get people to start using it is they tell them that they're going to get more value out of their digital yuan than using regular money or something else. Selman, one of the articles we covered last week was that now in Germany, it's illegal to spend cash on a transaction worth over $10,000. Well, we got some news that kind of plays into that from the United States. A recent paper revealed that in May of 2020, there was 35 countries around the planet working on a central bank digital currency. As of May in 2022, that number is up to 114 countries around the world. And the U.S. in particular has made massive progressions when it comes to their central bank digital currency. The CEO of the United States Digital Dollar Project put out some bold statements. I'm going to read this and kick it right to you, Selman. He said, it is imperative that the U.S. government consider ways to maintain the use of the dollar in the digital global payment system. And the development strategy related to the use of alternative payment systems is imperative for the sustained dollar dominance. So this is pretty exciting news here. Some, well, maybe not exciting. But it is what we've been talking about for quite a while. The U.S. is telling you a central bank digital currency is essential. What does that mean to you as a non-U.S. citizen? So they always tell you, hey, there's anti-money laundering. And this is, yeah, there is money laundering and and uh, anti-money laundering um, laws here and there. They, they say it's important that we have a cashless society. Digital money is important, right? If you love your country, you would pay in cash. That's kind of like you, you would pay in digital money. That's kind of like like that what they what they're uh, the, the narrative that they want to create and another thing i can add something on top of that very soon in germany they're actually planning to do that you're going to see that the central bank wants to do that whenever you go to an atm and want to withdraw hundred dollars right um it, it will only give you 97 dollars for example it will give you it, it will put a, a tax on that like a three dollar a three euro tax um it's not official yet but we are going to see that they're going to punish you for using cash. They want you to use your phone to pay. Use Apple Pay. It's easier. Why do you need money, right? And um, it is it is dangerous what they're doing. But unfortunately, the younger generation, I'm also a sinner. I also pay a lot with my credit card, right? And so, um, so the younger kids will definitely, definitely uh, – become the cashless society but right now they're forcing everybody having great incentives right china the the, the society is so poor the, the 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 country is uh wealthy but not the society right so um and that means all these people for them it's a great incentive to make money and and then um somehow they're gonna feel like hey we, we've used it and it's convenient why should i go back to uh the normal cash you know uh, why, why should I go back to cash? I can use my digital wallet. It's convenient. So yeah, it's a nice marketing strategy and they know that people need money. So um, unfortunately we're getting there and it's, it's um, I don't want to think of the outcome. Uh, but again, uh, apps, we literally, when uh, Brad Galling, I was talking, I said, you know, within the next two or three years, there's going to be a massive shift and uh, we're not going to even feel it. And this is exactly how they're doing it very slowly, methodically, and then boom, all of a sudden we have a cashless society. It's going to happen really? immediately. We're going to close this episode out with a little topic that may not be directly crypto related. This is some brand new footage. This is not CGI, people. If it gives you goosebumps, you're not alone. Boston Dynamics is showing off the new skills of this AI incorporated robot. 
This thing is picking up boards, smashing them over its head. Billy, what do you think about this? How long until we see soldiers with this exact same concept, robotic AI powered soldiers? Man, here, think about it like this. This is what they're allowing us to see. Imagine what we're not allowed to see. If they're already this far ahead, they got way more than that. And then just imagine the army of those that don't have emotions but are armed as security. That's a dangerous time to go into, man. You could you coincide that with CBDCs and everything else? It's not a surprise. And we got a massive revolution when it comes to the job market underway, Gonzo. We got about 20 seconds here. Any quick remarks on Boston Dynamics' new robot? Actually, I'll take you to a different thing. Just remember, you know what? We're going to keep it high vibration. I know we talked about a lot of things that have negative connotations, but we're all about the greatest time in human history. We keep high vibrations and we manifest here. That's what we're all about. 100% 100% Gonzo. And we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Billy. And thank you to Selman G, the CEO of Collective Labs. We got 250 live listeners joining us. We'll see you guys in Monday morning. Do us a favor. Smash that like button. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get the shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. Let's go.